Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host Christina. We're here to discuss the third episode in the miniseries, The Fall of the House of Usher, Murder in the Rue Morgue, written by Justina Ireland and Mike Flanagan, directed by Michael Fimonari. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought the directing choice was outstanding, particularly in the last scene between Camille and Verna. Just the way the shadows were played with and the way in which, you know, she morphed into something animalistic. Everything about that was chef's kiss. I like everything that they're doing around the siblings, fleshing them out a little bit more. I would say the weakest bit of the series for me, if I had to choose one, is the Dupin-Roderick interaction. But that's to be expected. It's two people having a conversation across uh, a roaring fire about the sins of the other playing out a moralistic argument, but I do find a quite a uh, few of those scenes to be a little uh, monologue like in Midnight Mass, but not quite at that critical level. <laughs> so that would be my only negative, but kind of a small critique. If you want to send feedback on our next episode, blackercouch at gmail.com, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, and subscribe. Let's get into it. The Pim Reaper gets Clarence to enter the crime scene before the police and is feverently told, feverently? Reverently, told not to touch anything. How about I do anyway? He's very controlled and calm, but you can feel his impatience as he's waiting for the sergeant to get off the phone with his chief, granting him permission to come through, but he has to wait for what he already knows is about to happen. And even as he stopped, he's like, Sergeant. He takes the mask and Prospero's phone. The squishing sound of the boots as he walked through was definitely a reason why other officers would be throwing up in a back alley. Morel reaches for him, badly burned, but still alive. I'm dying. Help me. I did not expect for her to live. I thought that she was going to be implicated. That's what she chose. Instead of going out with the servants, she, I knew she was walking towards Perry, but because of that, the family would just assume that they were in some type of affair or on the brink of having an affair which is something they're already dealing with of why she was there in the first place. So I just thought we would never get another side of her story to be told. 
But alas, it feels as if while she's not mentally okay, she physically has come through the ordeal. Roderick, for his part, casually dismisses the full extent of his own culpability by storing the corrosive byproduct. For so long, planning a demolition already delayed and laying most of the blame rightly, in some respects, uh, on his son for not actually listening and paying attention to the meetings that he attended. But he never took the entire thing seriously. And that doesn't somehow, you know, take away from your own responsibility there. If it wasn't your son, it could have been anyone. It just happened to be your son. So it's a personal tragedy for you versus a possible scandalous tragedy. But it was still brought on by your illegal actions to avoid fines, which would have come with charges. But DuPont says, while you are stating it was only an accident, and I kind of feel like DuPont, you were saying earlier that you thought it was an accident too. But there is the bit about the wait staff that were all very conveniently out of the building. Pim vows to find the culprit. The coldness of them in this scene showcases and highlights why they are the villains of this story. Because even as he's staring at the very, very uh, exposed flesh of his son, his flesh and blood, his, uh, I don't know, that's not going to be an open casket funeral. He's talking about casually how they are going to play this out in the press madeline when she hears that 78 people has died bemoans the stock prices what the fuck is wrong with you as a person they intend to plan perry's involvement in throwing the party on someone else he was just a victim being there at the wrong place at the wrong time never mind it was your property never mind it was your chemicals that killed 70 Seven people that were not your son, whose families are equally grieving that you care nothing about. Don't even cross your mind. All you care about is protecting your lineage and its reputation. Camille will just have to be pissed because he thinks it's better if it comes from the outside. Interestingly, later on, Madeline very quickly vetoes this decision without even consulting her brother. And it makes me question the power dynamics between them. That despite the patriarch at the head of it all, it's really a matriarchy. Freddie rushes to the hospital late and is concerned but confused about how his wife got in the state that she did and completely indifferent to learning his brother is dead or comforting his father for his loss. Madeline tells Frederick it's time to close ranks with Pim telling Freddie we need to talk so that when people ask you questions you know not what to say 
When the other children are informed by Madeline via a conference room of all places, instead of, you know, a home, (laughs) uh, just means that this family is all business. Leo is the only one emotionally sad. Whereas Victorine feels morally obligated to point out Camille's callousness towards the matter, especially as everyone is most concerned about how to explain why his sister-in-law was at a rave with her brother-in-law. To be fair, that's the type of things that the press would jump on instead of the very valid facts because it's it's more to sell or it sells more to have gossip than there is to do real journalism on the things that actually matter because people don't purchase newspapers anymore to read about what's going on in the world. And I get it. I'm not saying that I don't empathize because I don't do that either. But you put some stuff out there uh, in the aisle right next to checkout of magazines with headlines that might catch your attention about people's lives. Yeah, I've been there as well. Not anymore, but I can understand uh, why this would be something they would be heavily concerned about. Camille sells Madeline on herself being the one to handle PR as Pim isn't up to the task or not the right tool for the task. She knows exactly how to spin this to get public sympathy, something they need and haven't had in a while at the moment and it will help deflect from too much prying her sisters are reluctantly impressed victorine pointing out this is why people hate us camille rebuttals it's because we do things in spite of what we're going through we keep our eyes on the ball and we make choices they wish they did without a conscience but they have conscience and thus they're not us so that's just how it is it's the role of the die. It's the choices everyone makes. It's the decisions everyone makes. At the hospital, Lenore overhears her father being reamed by Grandpa Roderick, not hearing ex- his excuses about why he procrastinated eight months for something that would take two days and places Prospero's death directly at his doorstep. You gotta be ashamed of yourself, nigga. Real talk. You gotta be ashamed of yourself. All as you is. I wonder how he's gonna react to this because he was very much the most scared at the idea of daddy cutting him off, putting him out in the streets because he didn't have as much fondness for him as he even did for Morel or his granddaughter. It's like, yeah, these are the only things of value that you brought to this family was meeting this woman and having my granddaughter but other than that you're pretty much you know a a mouthpiece you imitate doing things but you don't do them and he's correct if this had been demolished eight months ago this would not have been an option for perry to take mom is in surgery And Freddie looks alarmed at his father's anger, still mulling on why she was where she was at. 
because Lenora asked the same question. Dupont does a press conference in which he tries to redirect towards focusing on the case and not the unfortunate loss surrounding it being Perry, but Fox News loves twisting people's words and Camille is happy wanting them to get an edible arrangement as she also hates them. Honestly, someone should have advised against Dupont talking at all because even if you tried to focus it on the case, it would come off as unsympathetic. If you were going to say something, you should have said, I have nothing to say at this time. The family is going through a loss. I wish them well as I continue to do my job. That's it. You don't need to justify or bring more or redivert. Nope. None of that needed to happen. He should have had someone at the office telling him that. I also love that Fox News was the first one to catch him out because even I was like, damn, they're going to tell, going to say, oh, the death of all these people mean more. Don't compare and contrast grief because, you know, they just love to do stupid stuff like that to divide people. And it works. Works like a charm. Camille is still convinced that Victorina is the informant, but mostly wants to just find dirt on what she's been doing. And based on the evidence, it would appear she is forging her test results when it comes to her study for the mesh heart, chopping up the monkeys after hours and carrying the body parts out in her bag. Oh, no. I know. Y'all know I love my monkeys, so I was highly distressed when I heard this. Camille gleefully asked to get access to Rue Morgue. She's annoyed when her assistants, Toby and not tina beth express condolences kind of like why would you think that we're on a personal level in which you need to even do that victorine goes to her girlfriend's practice escaping the media circus she plans to hunker down and get support from her during this tough time once alone victorine proves not to be so stoic by breaking down And while I thought it was due to the loss of her brother, which it could have been, it may just be guilt on what she's doing to further her own personal aims to someone who is incredibly nice and sweet and supportive. Then she runs into someone in the hallway and lets them think it's all their fault. Oh, hi. Thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. I do like when shows humanize their antagonists without taking away their their unlikable status for whatever particular reason or their faults. There's a reason, not an excuse, which is one of my favorite expressions nowadays. But you see this moment in which she genuinely cares but it doesn't stop her from doing what she does next so whatever you get from them it doesn't alter ultimately the decisions that they choose to continue to make 
Verna is posing as a heart patient. Victorine's whole demeanor changed as she eagerly takes her medical records to the doctor's office after Pamela claims to be short on breath. She illegally takes photos of her chart, reading her symptoms, and thinks that she's the perfect person for experimentation. I did write in my notes, is she with Dr. Ruiz to get access to her patients? Because I kind of belatedly realized that she herself was never expressly said to be a doctor. And considering what the trend is in regards to billionaires who take credit for other people's ideas, it makes sense. Poor Leo, he's pulled from his gamer fog and startled that next to his fiance is his sister Camille. Wondering when she got there, she's like, I texted you an hour ago. She is here to pregame for his interviews because he's going to be the saving grace of the family. And he admits, shit, my edible must be kicking in. After she points out that Perry is dead and the family is fucked, he says, well, do you want some? And she goes, well, yeah. Camille knows that they are called the bastards by both Tammy and Frederick. For her, Leo and Perry, not Vic. (laughs) She is asked why she doesn't like Vic and the answer to why she hates her so much doesn't come until the moment it is revealed to us and I think that was appropriate that that was the consistent theme going throughout Leo was 18 when he learned he was the son of a billionaire whereas Camille was 20 But Perry didn't stand a chance at 16. She remembers how small he was and knows that's the reason why he probably was so fucked. So dad wanted them to have some type of normality before being offered the opportunity to do something with themselves and their life with the influx of power and money that he could give them. But as his kids continued to come of age, they found out much sooner. So they were less emotionally mature. That's kind of like with parents that have a whole bunch of children. They always start off really strong with the first one. You know, you're going to be taking yourself to to school. You're going to be having a job at 15. You're going to be doing this, doing that. But by the time you get down to the fourth one, you're tired, you know, you just go ahead and drive them to school yourself. You don't really give them as much goals. You don't make them pay rent. I might be throwing out a couple of examples of my own personal life, but that is very, very common. And it also speaks of just how one's morality begins to degrade over time in the parenting style and how much he gave to the children versus how much less he gave to Perry at a time when he wasn't really ready for any of the things that he was given. And what were the reasons behind that? Was it just um, 
him slacking off into to fatherhood or did uh does he feel his own mortality clock ticking if you start to think any of this is reality you'll just slip into the abyss <laughs> uh, she also tried to give relationship advice to leo about bringing his fiance around and he's like okay assistance Leo says he just makes video games. He never got into the family killing business via opiates, but she quickly calls him out on the fact that he pays people to make video games and uses his name because it has weight, using it as his own idea. And that is very much the basis for a lot of people that are billionaires and everyone thinks that they're fucking geniuses and can terraform mars but they're putting a lot of their faith in what really is a cult of personality project is over there being the cover band of the original playing the hits but off key (laughs) tammy she says is a goop with a golden bug sticker on it worse it's not her face on the product it's built the fitness clown Vic's heart mesh isn't even her heart mesh it's the surgeons which she's also fucking oh i knew it just so she could test and eventually steal her idea and then there's leo the xbox gatsby whoa relax dude take it easy man cool your beans bro I love that the camera chose not to focus on his reaction, only him saying, wow. (laughs) To be be fair, she is as frank and cruel with her own self-assessment as the others saying that she just spins. Dad decided she should be in a room with smoke and mirrors spinning and going nowhere. I need to know what was playing in the background that r&b song someone please let me know if they know because that shit was was hidden it's good to see them actually have a sibling moment they are honestly the only people that understand them even in all of their trash so being able to communicate with each other or finding some level of um bond in that i think is telling leo had guests intended to aim in his wish for total blackout for the night but camille tells him to be ready in the am to kill it putting on her mask in front of the locals back to the present with frederick and dupont death was new to the ushers but they were adaptable he tried to teach his children the art of pivot and I will say that whole lemon reference. English motherfucker, do you speak it? I was lost after 30 seconds. I have a much better one. When life gives you lemons, you squeeze them like some titties, bitch. Dupont points out his son had drugs in his system, one in particular of interest and in what Leo just got as a gift, Monty, which is an illegal derivative of Ligadone. The art of pivot indeed is what Roderick's response is blaming 
uh, the changing of the chemistry on those people and backing Pym for withholding that information as being protective. Besides, he beat you in court. So clearly he's a better person and would know better then. But he's reminded very quickly why he is here in the first place. And that is to repent his sins. It definitely looked like Camille's hands tightening on his shoulders. Shaken by his guilt and that admission more than he let on, he reacts angrily and tosses his glass at the ghost of his daughter. I'm not sure why. Dupont is not reacting a little bit more hastily, like it's your ass glued to that chair, my man. But at the same time, he has been chasing this confession for probably eons and is willing to deal with a little crazy because that's how they come roderick collects himself he says ligadone was not my drug i didn't make it everyone keeps saying that i was just the middleman but back in the flashback of 1979 when he bust into rufus office this is my drug were the first words out of his mouth my detector test determined that was a lie. Turns out Rufus took his idea, bought the Landro farm building, as well as Metzer, who created the drug. And while he did indeed steal his idea, he's right. He didn't cross his T's nor dot his I's. He didn't talk to any lawyers and make sure that Metzer's deal with you was legitimate and legal. Metzer actually didn't own the drug the pharmaceutical company did and now he owns it because he bought it and yes you tipped him out and yes your idea was great but ideas are like farts they mean nothing unless you patented them he offers him a promotion in $500 uses as an angle to get further along and then if you keep offering me up these ideas and I'm the person that can make them happen well then, as I rise, you rise too. And $500 was a lot back then, considering this is what people do under those that have clout. It is not completely without merit to be in this particular position, unless you want to be the one that's in charge. When he was given that speech, Rufus, that is, with the semi-patriotic music in the background, he reminded me of Roddy and his lemon monologue, but I have to say Rufus did it much better and more convincingly. Unless, uh, I don't know, slimy. <laughs> Everything he was saying about the lemons, I was just like, I want to punch you in the face. Annabelle and Madeline once again play angel and devil on Roderick's shoulders when he gets back home to celebrate. He got a 15% raise, he got a promotion, and he got $500 up front. His wife thinks this is good news. A job is a job, and making money is more important to do what we really want to do than trying to be the person that is the asshole you have to be to be in that position to begin with. Madeline, for her part, brings back childhood memories to when they were fostered at the Muldoons. She points out Roderick always charges into situations. So when he found out the Muldoons were skimming money, 
not paying them as much, not taking care of them as they should. He outright accused them and got himself locked in the closet. Similar to how he reacted to Rufus stealing his idea. She, however, cozied up to the Muldoons, made them start to feel like she was a helper, gave them ideas on how they can skim even more until she decided when social services was going to show up and find all the evidence that they needed to prosecute them. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. So why is she the devil in this situation? Because in that arc of a story, it sounds like she used her intelligence to find a manipulative way in which to successfully extricate themselves from a situation by not perceiving or letting them perceive her as a threat and doing things in a way basically deception in the guise of friendship has its benefits and you can stand right next to this man until it's time for you to take what you need back from him whereas you have Annabelle and his two children that just require him to be a good husband and provider and considering these are not moves she's making it feels as if he is symbolizing a penis that she does not have to take the actions in which she would take so that's there's something there with that where even in the present we see despite the fact that he's at the head of things it's really madeline who has the last say and her brother while i believe she truly loves him is a tool for her to utilize because it's the one thing she can't she's not able to in this very male dominated world and species particularly when it comes to power annabelle is happy they can get things like medicine for their children or their child that's sick and points out he is a competent man you fix the ac all by yourself that we don't have to etch out our future in ruthlessness despite that being clearly a part of your childhood and while i can never understand any of that i just don't like your sister (laughs) she's fucking creepy she comes in she's always talking about doing things that sound when you lay it out in that manner slightly badass but also in a in a way that says you might actually hate men (laughs) and that that makes her feel weird around her husband that is her brother leo wakes with scratches on his face and blood everywhere he's gone and killed his lover's cat pluto with a knife Roddy and Madeline are shown the obstructed photo of Verna at the party because there were cameras everywhere. Roddy is still grieving and they will know more when Maury awakens. Having cleaned up the evidence of his crime and the cat being gone before because they accidentally let it out, Leo has some time to figure out 
how he is going to fix the situation just come clean i mean that would be kind of fucked up though it's not even just i killed your cat or i lost your cat or something happened to your cat i put a knife to your cat and he keeps asking like well what happened last night he's asking about his mood and he was doing a shit ton of drugs so is there something else that happened even though he seemed his fiance seemed pretty i'm sorry i don't remember his name chill and calm about them eggs that he was eating but he did say oh yeah you were you know just gone lenora checks on her mother no one really here to support this child she goes in to see her can we talk about how nice that hospital room was i just wanted to make that commentary only to be traumatized to see her mother ripping off her skin and bandages probably because she also is uh not in the best mind frame when her assistants toby and beth get to camille's apartment camille immediately tells them the rue thing can wait because she has had a day and all she wants to do is starfish she intends to come twice and they have their work cut out for them however beth and toby find what she's having them do inappropriate grossly inappropriate not to mention the two of them are together and now in love and definitely don't want to continue on sexually gratifying her Despite the NDAs and consent forms that really wasn't explicitly spelled out what they were consenting to. And she even brought it up at the time. But if you need to bring it up at the time, that's the job you don't take. So I kind of got, <laughs> even though I don't agree because she's not on a high horse at all. Clearly she's breaking all of the HR rules. But at the same time, yeah, you got, I like, I know you can't victim blame, but you can also point out when people make mistakes that aren't um, intelligent. If someone's asking you to sign a form of consent just to work with them and you're not even sure what that means and you put your signature on that, that's a mistake that you made. And you need to extricate yourself from the situation if you're not going to continue to go forward doing it or never do it in the first place. Understand the idea of feeling that you must need to do it for your job, you need money, so on and so forth. All of those pressures, those are very true, but they're also excuses why you chose to do it. Not at all uh a reason to be excused for doing it if that makes sense while she definitely calls them morons cute little morons she fires them sending their severance severance package via venmo her shaking fingers definitely give away how much it affected her to lose her puppets of affection right and no he will not give her the hookup with rue more but you can have your keys back as we expected repercussions and you proved us right that's also rather illegal to do as well because you can't fire someone or you can't retaliate just because you won't have sex with me 
It's like opening a lawsuit. But again, that NDA. Victorine called Tammy and tells her she's been chosen for a trial. Is she so insistent upon this because she doesn't want to disappoint her father? And her father definitely is pushing for the human trials, even though she pointed out that no, I we're not ready for this. Lauren, the woman that usually shows up for Tammy's fantasies, right on the cusp of learning her brother is dead. She is met with Verna, who is now inserting herself in another sibling's life, pretending to be Candy. Tammy definitely dissociates, right? She wants to be seen, but hides behind her own identity because Verna vocalizes exactly what she internally is feeling that I don't know how I'm supposed to process things or feel about Perry's death. I really don't even want to talk about any of that. I just want to be with my husband. And it's this idolized version of herself that makes her feel attracted to watching from the outside and it's uncomfortable for her husband too. He even says, you know, do we need to do this right now? But because Verna actually shows interest in him, something I'm sure Tammy neglects, he ends up finding some pleasure in the interaction. And it's not just one-sided. Camille doesn't know when to leave well enough alone. So she goes to Rue Morg seeking evidence against Victorine. Verna, now moonlighting as a security guard, tells her she shouldn't be here and doesn't have to be, despite how clever she thinks she is. Who the fuck are you? Camille pulls a don't you know who my father is? Something that Verna says, oh, I know exactly who your father is. Before allowing her to go in where she finds apes and starts taking photos of them, chastising Victorine for her actions, saying she probably pumps them up with Victor with a uh, adrenaline and then makes them feel as if they're better. Verna pops up out of absolutely nowhere and asks why she hates her sister so much. She throws some stats out there. A hundred million animals sacrificed for medical experimentation uh, every year. Definitely with macaques, chimps were banned in 2015. However, we have this illegal smuggling trade going on in the primate community, making a lot of these species go semi-extinct. We ourselves used it for the vaccine after covid and there is some basis for experimentation but the excessiveness of it for so many of these medical experimentations uh the loss in which we have over another species i think is what she's trying to hone in and how we kind of underappreciate that i love the lighting showing verna in the dark as she calls her dad a force of nature pointed out you know all you got to do is have money and 
saying it's for the right cause and you can get your hands on these creatures that should be out in the wild because oh you're also to to donate to a a, um a wild monkey conservatory like you must pay for your sins if you must sin but the idea that they're being experimented on and it's not even beneficial is her point uh, Camille said, I'm going to need you to tell me who the fuck you think you are. She asked once again why she hate, hates Victorine since on paper they could have been allies. When you start talking to me in past tense, that's when I start running. She delights in humanity's need for cruelty. I love the way her voice changes here. Just to satisfi- satisfy so little needs and curiosities. Victorine appears outwardly like the mother Teresa, as if she's doing something good for goodness sake whereas camille picked the job that most shows her nature cleaning up the trash and thus they are very much alike except victorine is much better at hiding it and then she tells her well at least you were correct on the lying part because she did lie she did pump these animals with adrenaline to falsify that the mesh works verna could have done things peacefully i could have came to you in your bed but you had to come here and now it's got to end like this and i must say camille does give one badass parting line fuck it i got mine and now you're going to die I haven't listened to any podcasts and I don't intend to until I'm completely done with the series. If there's any out there, actually, I don't know. But was all that she wanted was vindication? That ape smiling really, really terrified the shit out of me. (laughs) And we'll be in the nightmares of those two poor employees who came in. Security guards not there. And they have to find the very shredded body and face of one Camille Usher. And that is where our episode ends. I gave this an 8.7 out of 10. Not as strong as the previous episodes, but certainly a bit more insight into how this family operates. The coldness behind it all, but kind of the fallout of the children who's never even had to deal with the idea of death. And while they strive to move forward in the face of that, they're they're gonna be <laughs> they're gonna be smacked around with or by the Grim Reaper for some time to come. So watching those devolve and how they devolve is going to be intriguing. Wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. If you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic. <laughs>